Hi, I'm Randalyn. I'm Jennifer. And we're people. Talking about people. It's Randy to remind you that People Talking People is a part of the Wonder Barn Podcast Network. You can check out our other podcasts on travel, yoga, health, and business over at wonderbarn.com. That's W-A-N-D-E-R-B-A-R-N.com. In the meantime, we are super excited for episode two, and we hope that you enjoy it as well. Hello, Miss Randolyn. Hi, Jen. <laughs> so we are ready to do some more people talking about people, and it's very interesting. There's a lot going on in both of our personal lives right now, which, you know, relevant, non-relevant, doesn't matter. But today we wanted to talk about the people out there that are worth following. And when we, you and I were talking about how we were going to talk about this, it was really within the context of not necessarily a specific name, but sort of traits, styles, so things that we've admired and people that we have followed or leaders that we have worked for or leaders that we've seen and we want to aspire to be or something like that. But it's just an interesting thing to be thinking about because I know when it comes to leadership, it's not always the loudest person in the room, the person with the biggest title. There's really a number of different things that can frankly make us want to follow someone. So we thought it would be an interesting thing to talk about today. And I am very curious to see what you have to say about this. It's going to be fun. (laughs) I'm excited to see what you have to say about this too, Jen. I think you've, you talk about it all the time that you love coaching people who aren't yet in a quote unquote, like leadership title or leadership position, but want to start kind of shaping themselves to be someone that can lead other people really effectively. Um, I actually just had a conversation with a friend about this last night, and he was telling me how excited he was about how he was getting ready to bring on his first direct report, and he thought it was going to take away, like, so much work off his plate, and I slowed him down, and I was like, hold on, as many tasks as they take off their plate are, like, tasks that you now have under, like, the people management category of your job. Like, you have to have a one-on-one with that person and make sure that they're developing and they're growing. And I was like, yes, you don't have as much like paperwork to do, but you still have more than enough work to do when you bring someone on underneath you. And he just looks at me like very confused. And we had a great long talk about it. And I gave him your email, Jen. So maybe you'll hear from him when he's really confused. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I think there are things that people any person can have, whether, and we've also talked about this before, like leaders can be moms in a household, they can be dads, they can be, you know, your actual direct uh, director, manager, whomever. Um, But I think there are a lot of characteristics that, that people have that just make them someone that you're interested in listening to or learning from or engaging with that aren't necessarily something that you're like, given when you become a quote-unquote like leader in a capacity. Yeah. And I think this is a great segue into just diving right in. So it's, I want to give a like short story of someone that I worked with. Um, Her name happened to be Susan, but that's irrelevant to the story. Susan, (laughs) years ago, I worked with uh, probably about 10 years ago, and she was a teammate um, on one of the teams that I managed. And it was one of these teams that had, it was quite a large team, like 15 to 20 people. And so she was in a leadership capacity role. And there were three leaders within that role that kind of managed a subset of the team. And there were two leaders that were almost like a typical team lead. Like they were very dominant. They were very directional. 
Uh, they did a lot of delegating, a lot of checking in, all that type of stuff. And it was great. They were fine at their job. You know, nothing was wrong with that. But Susan was just this insanely quiet person. She was the one who, even in a staff meeting, she would literally be in the back, not at the table, in the back of the room, in the corner, just kind of hanging out quietly by herself. But there was just something about this presence that Susan had that everyone just wanted to follow her. She was a true leader within the team. So it's always like years later, it always makes me think about Susan when I'm thinking about leadership because she didn't care about a seat at the table. She didn't care about having this huge presence. She didn't care that when she walked in the room that people turned to see she was like, that was not important to her. She just wanted to make sure that her people were getting the right level of support that they needed from her. So in her case, it was some really strong active listening skills, you know, not just hearing what people are saying, but truly caring what they're saying and just being insanely tuned into them, like (laughs) ridiculous deep eye contact, shutting everything else around us and just being really focused on them. And there was just something about her ability to bring that skill forward and just be really present with the people that she was with that just made them follow her, you know, anywhere she would go, any direction she would provide, anything she would say, They had no problem going because they knew along the journey, Susan would be there to support them, you know, and that's just one tiny little example in one particular person. But for me, that concept of just being really, really, really present for someone, tuning everything out, being a really great, deep, active listener is key. I mean, and we hear you were talking about, you know, parents, anyone can be later, right? Like think about from like a mom's perspective for me, if I can just be there for my daughter and just be 100% focused on her hearing what she's actually saying, asking her questions that draw more interest from her, she's going to be so much more engaged and really our relationship's only going to grow. So that leader, you know, ability really does transform and translate into a lot of different areas but that skill is one of the ones that for me just has always stood out as super, super important. I love that. I think just listening to Susan's story, it made me think about the quality of humility and leaders in my head. Like I just have a really hard time with people who want to be the center of attention. And maybe it's because that is just not in me and I don't want to be that person. So I have a hard time like jiving with those people. Um, But I think some of the best leaders that I've ever known or worked with or worked under have been very, maybe overly supportive of their team or the people that they're around to make sure that they're, they're equally supported, if not more supported than like that individual who's in that position to give them that support. Um, I think it takes a lot to be able to actively recognize that your team's needs are more important than your own, especially because humans were very like us oriented. (laughs) Me, me, me. Yes. Yes, very much so. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. That's like that title servant leadership. If we're going to put it into a bucket, right? That servant leader. And that is definitely a leadership style I personally resonate with a ton and for all the reasons that, you know, that you just said there. Um, I do think it's interesting how easy it is to let the ego come in and forget about some of that humility. And, you know, we see this in society. It just sort of happens naturally, politics, anything. Like when you get to a certain level of leadership, you have a tendency to grow a little bit of an ego. And I think even the most servant people 
it can happen to. So it's just something we have to be aware of and be really careful about. I think that awareness piece and that sort of emotional intelligence piece is another really good, good one. Um, the leaders that I would love to follow are the people who really are very self-aware and we know they're self-aware because they're also sharing with us. You know, it's one thing to say, you know, I'm a really self-aware person, but it's another to say, you know, Randallin, one of my uh, downfalls is blah, 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 blah. A skill I'm not great at is blah, 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 blah. Like I'm sharing with you and I'm letting you know that way, if that skill shows up, that blind spot shows up, we have this trust together where you can say, you know, Jen, you mentioned if you ever do this to point it out. And then you have the sort of ability to do that. So that sort of openness, collectiveness, that humility, being that servant leader, but doing it through that act of emotional intelligence and self-awareness so that you can allow others to help you self-regulate if you ever need to. Because even the most emotionally intelligent person in the world still has a tantrum every now and again. I mean, it's just reality. It doesn't mean you're ever going to not have those things, but it's just kind of the reality of how it goes. But I think that's another kind of really good trait to be thinking about is that self-awareness piece. But from the standpoint of what do you do with it? How do you use it? You know, how do you take it to that next level and make it so that you're bringing everyone into your fold and sharing with them enough that again, they're comfortable following you and you're building that trust. Yeah. And an attempt to not sound too much like Brene Brown. I mean, she's had this whole movement around like bringing vulnerability into leadership. And I think it is there's like levels of vulnerability, but I think self being self-aware and vulnerable is where I find that sweet spot of that being an attractive trait um, instead of someone who just like spills all of their guts to me. And I'm like, I just wanted to know the deadline on this. <laughs> um, so yeah, I love, I love that. I think the thing that has stuck with me for a while, I was involved in like peer and student leadership when I was in high school. And the thing that they like, hammered into us was like leaders are learners and as I've gotten older I've leaders are a lot of things but that still resonates with me specifically around like leaders are curious and the the skill I would attribute to that is like appreciative inquiry or deep questioning when they like don't just listen to what you're saying but they take it a step further to really understand it and dig into it and identify like a root cause of what the problem is that they're either trying to address or solve or understand um and I think every leader that I've ever loved and adored has been an above average question asker yes that's exactly what I was just thinking as you were saying that the appreciative inquiry and all of that too yes the question piece is hard too uh it's definitely one of those skills that I would say takes practice. So when we're thinking about flexing that muscle of being a leader, really figuring out how to ask those deep and powerful questions that are to that level of appreciative inquiry, not just how are you today? Or mm -hmm. did you get this done? Yes, no. You know, they really are that deeper level that's going to, again, build some trust, uh, but allow that vulnerability and transparency. And that was you know, something I had written down on my paper for our conversation that you just stole from me, of course. Um, but it's very important, that vulnerability and that transparency piece. And I think now what we're kind of living through right now more than ever, it's a huge skill to be carrying with us mm -hmm. because the reality is we're all kind of in this 
same boat. Our boats might be different sizes. We, some of us have two oars, some of us one, some of us probably have none, <laughs> but we're all in the same boat. We're all kind of experiencing the same craziness on some level and just kind of being really truly just aware of that. And then knowing that as a leader, it's okay for me to be a little bit vulnerable too is okay. To your point, how do you balance it? You know, not too much. Like there's always a level of figuring that stuff out, but now more than ever, ever, we all need that. And tuning into our empathy skill with that too. So conversely, when others are really needing that from us, how are we, when they're being vulnerable and transparent, how are we kind of amping up that empathy and really making sure that we're sympathizing, empathizing, tuning in that active listening and just really being strong about it. But I mean, these are great things we've hit on so far. We talked about active listening, appreciative inquiry, deep questioning, being a servant leader, humility. Gosh, there's probably others that I missed within there, but some really good things as far as folks that we would want to follow and be dynamic about. So I love that. I wrote down another thing that's just more of like a funny and I want to bring it up just because I'm not a real funny person, but you know. There is a TED Talk out there that I love, and it's actually just an introduction to a TED Talk, and it's years and years old at this point, but it's called The First Follower, and it's this funny little thing about how it takes this- I know what you're talking about. Yes, right? I know. So hopefully, if if people haven't seen it, they need to go watch The First Follower. We'll leave it in the show notes, so it's good for you guys. It's one of my favorites. My, it's one of my all-time favorite, like just good visuals. It gets you thinking. It gets you smiling, but it also really does get you thinking about what what is the message and what does that really mean? So the first guy goes out. He's the lone nut dancing at this concert, and then it becomes all about this first follower. It's really about that second person that comes along that makes the lone nut no longer be a lone nut, <laughs> but have someone with him. And then everyone follows You know, behind that. It takes the courage of that first follower for everyone else to come around and follow. And there's so much truth to that, right? And there is, it's sometimes hard to draw a line between when you're being that leader and when you're being that follower. And I do think that role of follower is a really, really, really critical role in the role of leadership as well. So you may technically be using that video, that first follower, but that person might also be a leader. They just happen to be more dynamic in their approach. They might happen to be something, someone that has some level of gravitas that everyone else wants to, you know, come along with along the way. So, but there's really something to that. So even just taking a step back and thinking, you know, who are those people that we do want to follow and why maybe it's because they're following someone else and they have this great idea. Like it's just an interesting sort of thought there, but that video just cracks me up every time. I love it. No, that's such a good video and such a good reminder. I think some people get intimidated when they think of leadership because they think they have to be the person generating the ideas or being the one like starting the movement. But you can sometimes and more often than not play a bigger role in leading whatever that is by being the first follower because you make other people feel like they're not crazy when they go to do the same thing. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So this just popped in my head and I want to talk to you. It's the same, same topic, but a slight kind of shift a little bit. So there's all these other ways that being a leader and a follower show up in the world today. And we could use the example like social media, right? Following people on social media. But I think this is an interesting segue. So what makes us 
want to follow someone in like a social media platform, a LinkedIn, a Facebook, whatever, in the world, on a YouTube video, something, you know, is it the same stuff? Is it that they are listening to people? You know, is it that they're being humble? You know, I don't know. It's a good question, right? Is it the exact same level of skill that shows up? I don't know. You tell me what you think and then I'll kind of bounce some ideas and thoughts off too. I'm trying to rack my brain and figure out who, like outside of people that I I personally know and would like have reason to follow on social media, who like the quote unquote like influencers or leaders are in that space that I follow. The first thing that came to mind is the Instagram account, Kids Getting Hurt. And I don't know what that says about me as an individual. <laughs> that I love humor. I don't know. Um, or that I'm just like have no heart and soul because I think kids getting hurt is the funniest thing in the world. Um, but I think for me, social media is another source of entertainment. Um, I don't watch a lot of TV. Maybe that's why I'm so obsessed with the kids getting hurt because I, I like need that entertainment piece. Um, and I've been really cautious in the past year about who I'm following specifically in the influencer sphere. I feel like it's really easy to get so wrapped up in the emotional world of social media that it can be overwhelming at times. Um, I've just not had space for anyone else emotionally in 2020. So I was like, unfollow, 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 unfollow. Um, I think a few of them have crept back in there and I wouldn't say they have maybe the same exact traits, but I do think the biggest things that can kind of be felt through social media, I don't think you can necessarily feel deep questioning through social media. Um, but I think empathy is a really big one um, in how they respond to people who either don't share the same opinion or have questions or don't understand at all what they're doing or why they're doing it. Um, I think those people who are authentically empathetic and kind towards strangers on the internet um, are people that I want to be around. It takes a lot to always assume positive intent in that setting, especially because I'm sure we've all had an experience at some point or another with like an internet troll. Um, there are just people out there who want to be mean, especially in social media. So I really love following people who choose to take the higher road to be kind and empathetic to those lost souls <laughs> um, causing internet ruckus. And I, lo I love people who can make me laugh. And sometimes it's kids getting hurt. <laughs> that just cracks me up. And you're like the sweetest person in the world. So it's, it's a great, it's a great little, little known fact about you again. <laughs> I think what has inspired it is that I'm, I'm the oldest of six. So all I did growing up was watch like my little siblings fall off things. And if you, if you've been around kids, you know that like nine times out of 10, they cry for two seconds and they're totally fine. Like yeah. <laughs> many children never actually get seriously hurt when they do something. Um, so I think maybe it's just like my experience with kids that has desensitized me to the fact that like this kid is going to stand up and be totally fine, like in two seconds. 
that's too funny. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that was good. That was a good like instant thought though when I just put you on the spot there like that. Um, but I think these are good. These are good points, right? So there's going to be some skills that would translate to this world. There would be some things that that don't. You know, authentic was the big takeaway with what you were talking about. And I think that is one of the things that is just so critical in a leader across the board anywhere, right? That they really truly are being genuine. They're being authentic. They're not just doing or saying something because it's what you want them to do or say. Like they don't just know, oh, I got to say this because everyone needs me to say this. Like, no, they're doing it because it's the right thing to do or the right thing to say. Yeah. I, I mean, the way you've explained it is absolutely correct for like layman's terms. They have a lot of integrity on yeah. their morals and I think their values and they're unwilling to compromise if something is misaligned. Um, which isn't always the case. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to name names or start fights with people on the internet, um, but there all have been some influencers this year who have not been very um, integ- integrity. I, I don't. Integritable? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. They've been lacking that integrity. <laughs> mass, mass amounts of integrity. Um, and they're getting a lot of like pushback for from that and they're seeing a lot of hurt from their followers in their community that they've quote unquote built on trust when people are like wait what's happening um so I I do think that integrity and authenticity are some of the biggest draws especially on social media when you can't sit down and like have coffee with someone and really understand what's going on in their life and bring in some of those other like leadership skills that don't necessarily translate like deep questioning and active listening and things that have to be done a little bit more like one-on-one emotional intelligence all of those great powerful things when you can't do that with someone it's really hard to build trust which I think is where integrity and authenticity come into play and if a stranger on the internet breaks that you just feel lost yeah yeah Oh, those are good examples though. I will never forget when one of my first jobs, I mean, I must've been, well, I was probably 25 or something like that. I had a manager that uh, told me, we were talking about ethics and they, we had like some big, you know, ethics presentation and we had all this kind of stuff that the company did, you know, it felt a little yeah. just like, okay, whatever, go with the flow, sign the dotted line, check the box. But we had some good conversations around it too. And I remember him specifically saying, if you ever felt like you really, it would be hard for you to walk into my office and say something out loud to me, then question how the, the ethics and the integrity behind that action or whatever it was you're going to do. And it's, it's a no brainer, right? It's a no brainer, but I like the way he put it in that perspective for me. So if I ever had to go and tell someone out loud, I just did this, or I'm going to do this, or I want to do this. And it didn't feel great. And I had that little bit of a, like a gut check for me, then it was maybe something that I needed to, you know, pause and think about a little bit deeper. And for me, that was just another one of those great sort of intros into leadership because I got to experience that from him where he's sharing this with me out loud. Obviously, again, easy, no brainer skill set stuff. But to me, that really said a lot about him. He is showing up in that integratable and ethical way because he's doing that for himself as well. He's checking the gut and making sure that whatever he's going to do or say to his folks 
is going to be received in a way that feels good to them. And that might change at times based off of your audiences. You know, that's another one of these things about leadership that is crazy is that every time that we're, you know, whether it's we're leading our children, whether we're leading a group of friends, you know, a community, um, the whole slew of staff, uh, it's going to look different every time. And that's what makes this always ever challenging and changing because when it, we have a new group of people, it's, we have to adjust, we have to talk to them and figure out what it is that they need from us and how can we make sure that we show up in the right way for them. Mm, I love that especially what you said about how we can make sure that we show up in the right way for them because people are different. I'm sure we could talk about this for forever, uh, but I do want to be conscientious of these people's time. So Jen, let's wrap up here. If you had to leave someone with either one tip on how to kind of dip their toes into this leadership water and leadership skills arena, um, which I think you kind of already did with the question that you asked around, like, would you feel comfortable saying this out loud? <laughs> um, but if you had to give someone either another tip or a number one, like, piece of encouragement, we know, you know, leadership's not hard. Your leadership is hard. It's not easy. Um, what would that be? I think I'm going to fall back on the vulnerable and transparent thing. I know that was a tough conversation when we were having it because it was like, you know, is it too much? Is it not enough? So it's one of these things where it's you're always going to be really aware of the balance. But in my experience, not only have with the leaders that I've reported to and the people that I've looked up to, but then also the people that I've coached or the people that have been below me, so kind of in every aspect and facet, when there is that component of really just being able to have that right level of vulnerability and transparency to open up so that you can build trust and build the relationship, it just does volumes across the board for everyone. It's just a quick way to get those followers, to gain that trust, to show up in a humble, humble way, all that good stuff. So for me, it's all about that vulnerability and transparency. So just think about for you, what does that look like? What's the right level? What's the right combination? How much is too much? How much is not enough? But just maybe share a little bit more than you're used to and let people know that you're just as human as they are and you're having just as many problems and struggles and real life stuff is happening to you too. I love that. I had one and then I was listening to all of the really good things you were saying and they got me thinking about other things and I forgot the thing that I was originally going to say. <laughs> so you're a human, right? That's I, what you're I'm saying. I'm a human. Fun fact. If you didn't know, I like watching kids get hurt and I'm a human. <laughs> Maybe watching kids get hurt is what makes me a human. I don't know. Oh, I know what it was. Uh, it came back to me. See? There you go. Stop asking how are you. You can mm. quickly Google 700 other better questions um, that will help you get a little bit deeper, a little bit more intentional, and will help you better pulse check on where the people around you are than how are you. So break the cycle, remove it from your vocabulary, and find a better question. I love that. That was so perfect. Way to just put the perfect stamp on the end here. Oh, well, thanks, Jen. I'm super glad that we were able to get together, round out episode two of People Talking People. And now I think it's just an important time to remind all these wonderful people listening that they should head over to wanderbarn.com slash people talking people to learn more about our show and to check out the other great shows in the Wonder Barn podcast network. We'll see you soon. And we love that you are here listening and growing with us.